0: has been uh, Micah 6.8, and I really enjoy the message version of it, and I think what you just saw plays it well with me. Um, never take yourself too seriously, but take God seriously. That's what it says in Micah 6.8. I love it in the message version. All right, well, as you know, I'd like to encourage you to read God's word. And uh, what I want, especially in light of today's message, I would love to encourage you to read Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Uh, that is a, a great passage, Philippians 3, chapter 8 through 10. Uh, and, and just, you know, a general idea is that Jesus is better. And, and that's, that's truly what, I mean, that I, I don't know how much more truth you can get than that. Jesus is better. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. God, you are so gracious. We ask right now that you bless us and help us, Lord, to focus in on your message, what you want us to know. And and Lord, bless all the other churches that are meeting in whatever capacity that will meet. Bless all the missionaries, Lord, that are across the world, the people who are out there, the evangelists that are involved with people, Lord, telling them about your grace and your love. Strengthen them, strengthen all of us to be comforted, to know that you got us, You, you You have our backs, and we don't have to worry. We just need to keep trusting. We don't have to live a life of trying to obtain and get, saying, I must, I must. We simply just live a life of, I trust, I trust. And and we just tell that message to people. Convict us of our sin, Lord. Uh, Expose it. Bring it to our eyes. Lord, I'm not not smart enough to realize my own sin, but your word can reveal what my sin is. And I pray that same blessing upon everyone else, that you reveal our sin. We don't even realize that we can go to you in repentance and, and faith and, and just lean upon your cross and, and lift up an empty hand of faith saying, save me, save me, save me. Lord, and then fill us with love, hope, and peace so we can continually live out the faith consistently before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as we pursue to uh, studying this book of Ephesians... We are now entering into a section uh, of scripture where where we get to see and analyze a prayer of Paul. And the prayer basically begins in chapter 1, verses 15, and goes through verse 23. Now, it might seem as a simple prayer to some, but truly, it's not, Uh, you know. I mean first let us never ever have that type of mindset or attitude towards any part of scripture thinking that it's just something simple or, or uh, you know trivial. You know whether it's the detailed laws of Leviticus or the measurements of Noah's ark in Genesis or the long list of names in 1 Corinthians all of scripture is the word of God in our hands and every word is precious. As Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen says, all Scripture is breathed out by God for uh, and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be a competent and, and equipped for every good work. Let us never forget that. So as we analyze, so we continue then to analyze uh, this prayer. One of Paul, one of my greatest hopes for you and myself is that our own prayer life will flourish because of it. For we see Paul prays for things that we can pray for ourselves and pray for other people. You know, the more we see how he prays and what he prays for will hopefully only strengthen our own prayers before the Lord. And what I mean is that it will give us more confidence in praying before the Lord. You know, to become more confident in His throne of grace so we can rid ourselves of doubt, like maybe God doesn't really hear me. Maybe He's not really paying attention to me. Or maybe God doesn't really care about me and my problems all that much. For the gospel of God's grace now has granted us freedom to come to God and speak with Him because not of our own works or of our own worthiness, we don't deserve the blessing of speaking to God, but we come solely based upon what Christ has done for us. We come in His perfection, in His holiness on our behalf, through faith in Him, alone in our prayers. For Christ, Christ is the one who has established and opened and maintains this connection between us and God. For that is the good news of the gospel that man and God can be reunited and at peace with each other and live in a harmonious relationship for eternity with each other by man having faith in Christ. That's it. For Christ has done everything needed and required to have the this most blessed and glorious relationship, despite our circumstances and failures and sins in our life and our stupidity, which I'm quite good at. And Paul is going to encourage then these Ephesians and us, to grow in this relationship. Now that they uh, now uh, in this relationship, now that they have this connection with God. And encourage us to grow in our greatest need, which is truly knowing God. And our title today, then, is Knowing the God of the Bible. So today we're just going to look at chapter 1, verses 16b, just means the second part of that verse, through verse 17. So we're going to look at the text. You know, Paul has just stated here that he is so grateful to God for all That God is doing amongst the Ephesians, specifically that they're continuing in their faith in the Lord and they have a love for each other. So he says in verse 16, remembering you in my prayers. And this brings us to our first point in knowing the God of the Bible. You hopefully realize the importance of prayer when you know the God of the Bible. What you have here is Paul revealing to us the importance of prayer in our walk with God, or more specifically, that prayer matters and makes a difference. See, even though Paul could not be with the Ephesians physically so as to help them in their walk through this world as they face temptations and trials and woes, and though he could not contact them on the fly for they didn't have telephones and they didn't have the internet, You know, emails. He knew, though, he was not helpless in ministering to them and making a difference in their life. For he prayed for them constantly. He constantly spoke to God about them. For he knew that the real power for any ministry, for any flourishing in the Christian life, comes from God alone and not man. For Christ himself said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing, not something, not little things, but nothing. So though Paul had done much to establish the churches in Ephesus and He has heard good things coming out of Ephesus, like them continuing their faith and loving each other, and the fact that there are still churches there. He still always always prayed for them. For prayer reveals our full dependence upon God. I mean, that that is one of the main reasons why we pray about things. Because we know, or at least we should know, that we cannot do things on our own and you especially see this in ministry in your own personal ministry we can't change hearts we can't make people grow we can't mature people when you try you just kind of push them away or create this weird sense of legalism in them you know we can't even change ourselves but God can and that's why we pray you know, Paul, here, Paul here then is indirectly revealing to them and us that even he, an apostle of Jesus Christ, the guy who saw the resurrected Savior, you know, threw him off his horse upon the floor, blinded him. The guy who dealt with major trials and overcame, like being beaten and shipwrecked and bitten by a snake. The guy who established church after church after church and did miracles and even casted out demons that even he, the apostle, an apostle of Jesus Christ, was fully dependent upon the Lord for his ministry. So the greatest spiritual support that he could give those who came to know Christ through the preaching of the gospel and his ministerial work amongst them was not to rely upon his work and his investment in them, but rely upon the Lord through praying for them. You know, Paul is showing us all that even though we may have, a, have the strongest discipleship programs here, you know, even though we may have a, have a strong fellowship with each other throughout the year, or even an awesome, uh, an awesome worship, uh, worship service on Sundays, as important as these things are in our life, they don't replace the need for prayer to, uh, to God for each other each and every day. They don't replace that. Sometimes we think the program has got them covered, but prayer is an essential aspect of our walk. For again, prayer reveals to God our utter helplessness without Him, and prayer makes us acknowledge our helplessness without Him. But then it also reminds us that we are fully in His gracious care and He alone has the power to change things and make a difference. So when we go about our day then with whatever, and we forget to pray, forget to commune with God in all that we do, it sadly reveals that we think we can do it on our own, which is so far from the truth. You know, we think we're strong enough or witty enough or smart enough to handle all that comes at us in the world. So guess what? We end up doing things our way and then we get frustrated. We give in to worry, we give in to stress, or we get upset and we feel alone and we feel trapped. And since we falsely think we can handle it on our own, we start to live in our pride and hurt those around us. Or worse, we start to live in our failures and start to give up on life. And we start to become cold and and miserable because we see no way out and see no way of actually helping people or changing anyone, let alone changing ourselves. But as Christians, we need to remember, but that is not the case. For we have a sovereign God over us and with us and who hears us. We have the most powerful being in which all of creation depends upon on our side who fully pays attention to us and is always ready to listen to us if we just go to him. So if there are any burdens or worries or fears, you just have to go to God in prayer about them. If there are people in your life that are heavy upon your heart, or even people who are necessarily piercing your heart and breaking it, causing it to be distraught, you can go to the Lord in prayer, as Paul does here, and know that God is listening, and know that God can change things or give you the power to get through it. So Paul continues with his prayer then for the Ephesians in verse 17. and says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. And this brings us to our second point. In knowing the God of the Bible. Hopefully, you become encouraged then to pray. What you have is Paul saying to the Christians in Ephesus is, Look, I want you guys to understand That when I'm praying for you, I want you to realize who we are dealing with when we pray. And why I'm so encouraged to pray for you. Paul here takes a moment then to describe God and reveal his pure awesomeness of of who we get to talk to at any point in our day or our life circumstance. Paul first describes him as the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning that the God we pray to is the God who graciously gave up his son for you so you could be in a right relationship with him. That is the only way that you could talk to God and have a loving relationship with Him and have access to Him and His favorable presence in your life through the giving of His Son alone. So we come to know God only through Jesus. It is only through Jesus that people can have access and do have access to God and there's no other way of doing it. For the word Christ means Messiah, if you didn't know. It's not a first and last name here. Christ means Messiah, the promised one of God, to bring salvation to the people. And Christ Jesus has accomplished salvation for us through his perfect obedience to God the Father, through his life, death, and resurrection. And when we place our faith in Jesus, he becomes, the other title that Paul has here, he becomes our Lord Our Lord Christ Jesus. Meaning that we acknowledge and believe that He is the Lord of whom all must listen to and bow to and submit to and place their faith in. So we enter into this personal one-on-one relationship with the Almighty God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Which means we now have, in Paul's second description in this passage of God, the Father of glory on our side. Or put differently, by saying the Father of Glory, what he means is that all the glorious attributes of God, which bring Him glory and are glorious, like being all powerful, all knowing, and sovereign, all sovereign and eternal, and, and righteous, and all good and all loving, and etc. and etc. and etc. And the fact that He is just God, the Alpha and the Omega, uh, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who declares the beginning and the end. The one who has no beginning and has no end. Which, the one which all glory belongs to and which all glory resonates. It is this mighty God that actively listens to the prayers of Paul and us because of what Christ has done for us through faith in Him. Now, it needs to be quickly mentioned That Paul in this passage is not saying that Christ is not God and only the Father is God. For in another book, Paul calls Jesus the Lord of glory in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8. None uh, None of the rulers in this age understood, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. You have the Father of glory and then you have the Lord of glory. For the God of the Bible is a triune God. Three separate persons, yet only one God, but they all have the same attributes. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. So why would Paul then write like this, in this distinction, the God of our Father, or the, God of the, or the God of our Lord Jesus Christ? When he writes like this, he's revealing each role each person plays in our salvation and how they relate to each other. Like it was... God the Son that died upon the cross and not God the Father that died upon the cross. But anyways, that's a discussion that we can get into later, but it's an important distinction that, we should, always, that should always be kept in our mind as we pray and know this triune God. But anyways, back to the flow of thought. Uh, it is to this God that Paul prays to and knows he can answer his prayers for the Father of glory, has proven his care for Paul and his church through what he did in Christ upon the cross. The cross is the greatest and ultimate expression of God's love for his people, so we can know for certain that God will give his ear to us, for he sent his very Son to die for us, so we could pray to him. We always remember that Christ lived a perfect life on your behalf, in your place, through faith in him, so you could talk and can talk with God at any time. So you never have an excuse as to why you cannot pray or ask God for his guidance and help for you or someone else. You don't have to make yourself holy or purified to come before him. Or you don't have to change your attitude or mindset, but rather you go to him to change your attitude, to change your mindset. You don't do that, he does. For he is always with you to hear you and get you through with whatever you are dealing with, no matter where you are in your mind or in your heart. So whether you're frustrated at your job or in a fight with a loved one or in the middle of committing an atrocious sin for the hundredth time again, you never have a reason not to cry out to God for help for His Son has died for you and He will come to you and be with you. You know, how how easily and foolishly we forget that. At least I forget it. I forget the wonderful blessings and the communion I have with God and his unlimited power that he has to uplift our heavy souls and broken hearts and restless minds. I mean, maybe maybe you don't, but I always need to repent of my willful ignorance in such wonderful mercies. Constantly. Repent of things like Not realizing that he will carry my burden, and yet I so pridefully refuse to let him and think I can carry it on my own, or I deserve to carry it on my own. But that's so far from the case when you have faith in Christ. I am such a sinner. But praise be to God we're saved by grace through faith. Paul then, here in this deep theological thought, And meditation, right, of our mighty God then reveals what he specifically prays for about the Ephesians. And it's something I think we all truly need more in our life. And something we all could truly pray for each other, especially in these days that we are currently living in where it seems that anything you do or you say can just trigger so much anger and condemnation and belittlement from people, even those closest to you. Paul continues in verse 17 and says, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. And this brings us to our third point in knowing the God of the Bible. Hopefully you recognize the blessings you already have. Now you might ask, wait, I thought we already have the spirit. Weren't we already sealed with the Spirit in passage in, in verse 13? And I thought we already had all the spiritual blessings back in verse 3 in Christ, where it says you have all the spiritual blessings in Christ. So what, what's Paul saying here? What's he getting at? Well, Paul is saying that he prays that God will have the Holy Spirit work his wisdom and revelation in them more and more every day. Because as we see, as we go through this book, they still sin. And on a personal level, as far as I know, I I still sin. Even though I have faith in Christ, I still give in to worry. I still give in to pride. I still give in to being judgmental. I still give in to being doubtful. And the list can go on and on and on and on. But the good news of the gospel and what Paul is fully depending on here as he prays is that God is putting those blessings that we have in Christ... To work in us through the Holy Spirit. Or put differently, Paul is praying that the Ephesians realize and grasp the blessings they already have and and are privileged with in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. Paul was praying that God would remind us and show us that we don't have to frantically or exhaustively try to obtain spiritual wisdom and spiritual revelation from the Lord. You know, we don't have to get all monkish and and do weird rituals and strange religious acts to have the Lord's wisdom and revelation in our life. We already have it because we have the Holy Spirit and, his, and, and he is strengthening those things within us. We just need to be more open to it by faith in Christ. Now, what is this wisdom and revelation he, that he is strengthening within us or deepening in us? Well, wisdom, so we don't get all weird here. Wisdom is seeing the way things truly are before God, seeing the reality of what it is. You know, for example, in Proverbs 1.7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You're, You're understanding the world the way God sees it. And Revelation, then, is to understand, when Paul says Revelation, is to understand the truth about God that you were once blinded to and you couldn't see before. You came to faith. For example, like the gospel of God's grace and his blessing, just like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they have folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the revelation is not a new doctrine about God or a new way, new revelation of how to be saved but seeing what truth has already been revealed about God that we now have in Scripture. Or, at, or for the Ephesians, as the, as the apostles taught, which we now have in Scripture. So anyways, with these two words together, wisdom and revelation, Paul is basically saying, he is praying that the Ephesians have a greater deepening into the understanding of, of the meaning of the gospel and become more insightful into God's will for their life so they can willfully glorify God in all things. See, God is already working these things in us, already by faith in Christ, and Paul is just praying that people have a greater awareness of this and are more open to it so they willfully rely upon the Holy Spirit's direction and guidance through faith in Christ. See, it's not on you to obtain these things. They have already been obtained for you. We just need to always, more and more every day, go to the source of where the blessings flow. And that is faith in Christ alone and his works on our behalf, which Paul is praying for and what we should pray for. But you might ask, well, wait a minute. Are you sure that God is working these things in me? Because I currently don't feel like it, even if other people are praying for this in my life. Well, first know that Paul, Paul's words here, reflect what was said of Christ back in, uh, I'm sorry, what was said of Christ in his interaction with the Holy Spirit, back in Isaiah 11, verses 2 through 3. It says the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding or revelation, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eye sees or decide disputes by what his ears hear. So guess what? When you place your faith in Christ, you get that same spirit and blessing of wisdom and understanding, or our context, revelation. Why? Because Christ has obtained this right for you to be sealed by the Holy Spirit and have him work within you. Christ's perfect obedience and sinlessness to have the Spirit rest upon him was done so the Spirit could rest upon you through faith in him alone. Now, obviously, the blessings will not be done in the same way because you're not the Savior of the world. But the Holy Spirit still will guide you in this life with wisdom and revelation because of Christ's accomplishments for you on your behalf. But the point is, is that God is working these things within us, and we don't even know it. And Paul is praying that the Ephesians realize it and rely upon the Holy Spirit more and more every day through faith in Christ. And we should, too, pray this for ourselves and others. Now, you might ask, how can you be more open, then, into seeing the Holy Spirit's work in your life by faith in Christ? Or more to the point, what tangible, practical, non-abstract ways can you realize the Spirit's work within you? So you can experience the wisdom and revelation that is already given to us in Christ and, in, and maybe encourage other Christians to be more open to the Spirit's work in their life. And Paul gives us the answer then. We're coming to a close. Paul uh, He says, in the knowledge of Him, the last part of the verse here, Paul prays that the Holy Spirit gives wisdom and revelation in knowing who God is, or put simply, God revealing Himself More to his people through his word, but not just on this factual level. The wisdom and revelation that the Holy Spirit works in us is not just simply knowing more facts about God and his ways, but the Holy Spirit helps us place our trust in those facts and ways of God through faith in Christ as we live in this world. The Spirit teaches us these deep truths of God through taking Scripture, our infallible source of knowing God, and helps us understand God and His ways more so we can have a closer and personal relationship with Him. Or to be more practical, so that you start to realize how present He is in your life and how truly caring He is for you in all that you do. That comes about the more and more you learn of Him, which the Holy Spirit promotes within you through faith in Jesus. When you learn more about His power and His character and His ways, it changes the way you live, in that you start to trust Him more, with more things in your life, and you start to see Him in your life more and more, and not just on Sundays. You you look to Him by faith in Christ to help you deal with your fears and your worries and your anger and your confusion because you see that God is bigger than those things and that His love for you is bigger than those things. And and let me be a little bit more specific here to kind of give you an example of one way of how this works for us. Okay, this is one way. As you learn about God through the reading of His Word, by the power of His Spirit, the Holy Spirit is there filtering all that you learn about God through the gospel message of grace. All through what God did through His Son for you. Hence Paul said earlier, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything centers around Christ. This gospel message. So Paul's prayer that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, a specific example then of how this prayer applies to you and me, would be as you come to grow in the Spirit's power by faith in Christ, to become wiser in seeing the way things are before God and grow in an understanding or revelation of who God is and His ways, The Spirit helps you let go of your worry of being successful in this life according to the world's standards. Like being successful in your relationships. Like being successful at your job. Or being successful as a parent or a grandparent. Or really just having any success in this world at all. The Spirit reminds you of the relationship you now have with God and what the ultimate goal is for you as you live in this world, and that is not to have you be successful in the world's eyes. But rather, the goal is to conform you to the image of His Son who trusted in His Father perfectly in all things. That's the goal. So then as you live and are met with failures and trials and temptations and your sin, the Holy Spirit reminds you of who your God is and what he has done for you in Jesus. So you end up dealing with those things in a godly way, meaning that if you fail and sin, you end up repenting of the sin you committed despite the consequences. And you're okay with that or whether you're in a trial or in pain, you're okay because you know that God is working this out for your good so you can be like His Son. Even though you are full of tears, there is a joy there, so you're not overcome by your pain and trials. You continue on because you know it's working out. Because you know the whole point of your life is not about being successful. It's about becoming godly through trusting in Christ with whatever comes your way, even if that means you're dealing with and working through failure after failure after failure after failure failure in your life. You're okay because you know God is removing things and bringing you closer to Him in your relationship and understanding of who He is, and that is the most that is the best thing that can happen to you, because you see the failure of everything else in this world and the absolute lunacy of everything else in this world and the absolute that. Everything else will be destroyed and burned and bring nothing and no hope and no confidence and nothing. You will be left with nothing, but you have everything in Christ and you're going to be okay with that. The Spirit will remind you that you will be okay for you're in God's hands, for you have been freed from this world and you can rest in Christ with whatever outcomes that come your way is only for your betterment in Him. And you don't care about the success. You care about trusting in Christ. And by the way, that's worked out differently of each person. Because your relationship is a personal relationship. How God deals with someone else is not the same way he's going to deal with you. You can see that with Peter and John in the Gospels. Peter says, well, how come he gets to live forever? And Jesus, Jesus is like, what's that to you? What I want to do with him. You just trust in me. Same, same application. That's what Paul's getting at. Knowing God and being excited to pray for each other. So the point Paul's trying to make here as he begins his prayer in this, that section is is that we see that the Holy Spirit takes the scripture we have in our hands and then he binds it to our hearts so we can delve deeper into the gospel message of God's grace and see even more clearly that we now have favor with God and are secure in his love because of what Jesus did for us upon the cross. You're free. That's how Paul starts off his prayer for the Ephesians, and it needs to be our prayer too, that... That we all know God more deeply every day and how He has done everything for us through faith in Christ alone. For the more we see and learn about that, the more impact we will have upon each other and more impact we'll have upon this world. For God's glory. Because it's by grace alone. And grace changes everything. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today grateful, Lord, that you have given us your grace. So God, this world wants to tell us it's all on us. It even takes our own scriptures and twists it and tries to say that it's all on us, but it's not. The whole point is that Jesus did it. We just need to trust in him. God, help us remember that not to gauge our success in this world as your favor for us, but to see it rather as just a way of trusting in you more. Help us, Lord, to remember that. Because God, oh, we forget it. I know I forget it. And Lord, if someone doesn't know you here today, and maybe, maybe they can come to know you and, and, and cry out to you to ask for your forgiveness and, and for you to love them, and to know your love for them. And they can just submit to you and give up of trying to better themselves and realize it all comes down to Christ alone. And God, if someone's here as a Christian has been struggling with that, trying to make their life successful and, and not seeing success and thinking that maybe something's wrong, maybe that, that, that there's something wrong with it. God, God, remove that from them and help them see that the goal is to, to know Jesus more to know you more, to trust in you more, and if they're doing that, all is well. Thank you, Jesus, for doing it all for us so we can have a great relationship and a right relationship with the Father. You're so loving and kind. We pray this in your son's name, amen.